I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast supported by Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes made with only two ingredients, 99.9% purified water and a drop of fruit extract. From fertility to birth, pandemic parenting to taking care of ourselves, here we talk to women about their own unique experiences of motherhood, the insane joy and the anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, the tears, and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum. From that first nappy change to those messy weaning months, water wipes. Winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2021, including Best Baby Wipes, water wipes are proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, making them ideal to protect and gently cleanse sensitive newborn and even premature skin. As the number one wipe in Ireland, together we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. Hello and welcome back to season seven and to our first episode of 2022. And we have an amazing guest to kick off with, Emma Flynn, better known to us all as this Mama Doodles. Emma is a mother of three an artist, a writer and a woman who has met several challenges in motherhood. But here in this episode, recorded just three weeks after baby number three, she tells us that her head is in a very safe place. She tells us that her head is a very safe place to be these days. After her first son, Emma experienced OCD and very frightening intrusive thoughts, which we talk about in this episode. But the mind, just like the body, can get ill in many, many different ways. And so despite healing, after her second baby, Emma felt like her mood was low, energy low, joy was low, everything was low. Throughout it all, Emma was never afraid to say this isn't right. She was never afraid to express through her words and her doodles what so many of us feel. And now that her third baby is here, she can honestly tell us that we can heal. We don't just need to survive. We can live amazingly happy days. Beyond the physical and the mental challenges of motherhood, with the right help, there can be OCD and PND and everything else. And there really can be I Love You. Emma. Thank you for joining me on Every Mum, the podcast. You will be our first guest of season. I can't even, are we on season seven? Which is a, a an incredible thing that even for me. Wow, to yes. Season seven of this podcast. Um, the first of this year, 2022. And congratulations on baby number three. Thank you so much. Yes, I've added the final piece to my collection. <laughs> my three beautiful children. Yes, he is. We've gone out on a beautiful high. He is perfect, thank God, and we're all doing well. Going out on a high, fair to say we may not have started so high. Well, that would be more than fair to say. Okay. But I feel I should clear up, not based on the child. Like The child's beautiful. But based on me, yeah. Based on you. Based on me. Your experience of pregnancy, birth, postpartum, motherhood, family life, identity, womanhood, sexuality, Mm. relationship, career, the joys, the lows, the anxieties, the depressions, Mm -hmm. the utter love. Oh my God, yes. Has been depicted through your words and your doodles for us mm-hmm. all to connect with and like as so I, I I need to thank you I need to personally mm-hmm. thank you for what you've put out there because there are times where you are just in the depths of the day yeah and you feel so alone that no one else is getting this nobody else is feeling this is anybody else as broken as I feel right now but yes. love as much as I feel right now mm-hmm. and you turn to your phone and it could be 2am and you're on a scroll and you see a doodle of a woman that is you on the floor <laughs> holding her children. Yeah. And that's it. And you and instantly, like it's magic. What you do is magic. 
that's so lovely to hear thank you first of all and I think the thing is is and the reason I don't post regularly you know when you you know like you you can make Instagram a, a business and part of me in some way has and you can post regularly and this blah 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 is they come from the real moments as they unfold you know there isn't like a catalogue of drawings I have done that I share when my analytics are best on a Tuesday or whatever it's literally if I'm posting about it it's it's kind of just happened that week and I've written about it in the moment and drawn about it that night and you know so it's it's been very cathartic for me and as much as women are I like I get such kind of messages Sinead like I mean unbelievable my phone is literally filled with kind of messages from people and I just would love everybody to know and I don't know if I make it clear enough of how much I am grateful for having that space and outlet like I get to take the emotions take the hard parts take the good parts and I get to do what I love which is writing and creating and drawing and then I get to present it in what for me has been a very safe space Mm. and put it all out there literally all out there and what I met with is hundreds and thousands of women coming back to me going oh my god I am the same oh my god thank you you make me feel less alone and what I always would say to people in dms kind of laughing going they they might say you know thank you so much that made me feel less alone I'm like you do realize that I am grateful to you because the day that it's a tumbleweed when I make some parental confession and there's not a sound back from people is the day I'll worry you know I I kind of have learned from it that anything anything I experienced since creating that platform and engaging with it it has has been experienced and felt by a world full of women before so it creates a sense of I, I never really feel alone much anymore as a mother because anything I have shared has been met with such openness and honesty from from all the other women that are on that page. So thank you for being one of them. Not to the same degree, but I understand what you're saying because of the responses that I get from the conversations that we share here on the mm-hmm. podcast or experiences, as you say, that that moment, that authentic moment of of love or pain or distress mm-hmm. or whatever it is that you find yourself just with your thumb tapping yes. out <laughs> yeah tapping out you might be feeding to sleep it's yeah it's, it's late you're alone it's dark and it's just you and your thumb <laughs> yeah and you put it out there and instantly there's a response yes yeah and instantly there's a connection and there's people you know with you on it feeling it and thanking you thanking you yeah for expressing it in a way that that they wanted to read it to validate how they were feeling and like that I always say no thank you because Mm. I'm as anxious and sad and lonely and abandoned in this pandemic as any other mother with a newborn right now yeah yeah and what she's a newborn anymore but you know but when you were in it because yeah it's like what we have is a community that not many mothers have anymore Mm. you know well in so many senses but I like to think of you know that I am respectful of what everybody who follows me has given me because they've given me like that that safe space that safe community I can even I can ask a question does anybody know anybody who's uh, my child needs a chance sector? you know like I have that sounding board of women I, I trust and that I've engaged with before and I'm sure you find the same like there's certain people that you've never met but you know that their child was in hospital for this and you know this happened them and that and they might be a good person to ask this question and it really is it's I think in modern motherhood it's one of the greatest tools we actually have mm-hmm. um to kind of connect with other mothers so I feel very lucky to be at the receiving end of all of that you know to be here at this time where at least yeah. we have this if nothing else tell me about your expectations going into it because I think this is a massive part of how we 
experience motherhood about how mm. we transition transform into it um we touched on it before i pressed record mm. around the expectation first time around second time around third time around and the evolution of that yes so expectation day one you realize you're pregnant where do you think first time going yeah i what the one thing that surprised me most considering we decided to try and conceive and you know tried for a baby and got pregnant was the absolute shock when i saw (laughs) that pregnancy test and I felt in that split second I knew I would be forever changed Mm. the world was never going to be the same again and I'm not even you know I was very anxious already I was you know saying things like no I'm not really pregnant I just you know at the moment I'm just hormones and it's not about but I knew in that moment I would never be the same person and the world as I knew it would never be the same again. So in terms of going through the pregnancy, I was so anxious and worried and living in a space of fear that I never looked ahead in anything other than fear. I never said, oh God, imagine what my bump would be like at 24 weeks or I wonder, will I do a baby shower? or Will I do a little bit? I never went there personally. I literally just clung on to every day checked tissues checked the toilet you know monitored my symptoms you know came to terms when I had a cramp that this was the end so my expectations were very limited in terms of pregnancy because I just was trying to survive the moment of it in terms were you afraid to fall in love oh my god totally Mm. totally 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 I couldn't I couldn't I I just it was not an option. I wouldn't have been able to survive the pregnancy mm-hmm. if I had felt that love. And it's one thing I, I often say, and I kind of feel like as I've experienced more, I reflect differently that I, I didn't feel I fell in love with my first baby straight away, which I didn't as I felt different experiences. And I, I didn't feel I could say I loved him for months and months afterwards. But really how I reflect on it now was that I was too afraid to feel the love that was there because it was catastrophic Mm -hmm. it really was going to destroy me because I loved him so much and the thought of losing him was already upending my life when he was perfectly well that if I fully surrendered to just loving him in the present I would never survive to be his mommy because it was literally too much to bear (laughs) oh I know that one yeah completely know that one total yeah. suppression of this isn't really happening and I haven't changed nothing has changed mm-hmm. I'm still me if this yes. doesn't work out it doesn't work out I'm still me it's fine yes oh my god yeah and I couldn't do that on my second I couldn't no suppress because you knew who was meeting you at the end yeah I yeah. loved her before I even we even said mm-hmm. will we have another yeah. I loved the idea of her. Yeah. And I couldn't do it. My body, my heart, everything had just changed. And I couldn't hold You've been back. broken open by yeah. that stage. You couldn't know? hold back the love. But what I would say, you know, anybody who's listening who's maybe in early stages of pregnancy, because it's so difficult, what I found, I was, my very first pregnancy, uh, very long story short, around the six weeks I started bleeding, went in, had the scan, was told there was no heartbeat. And I had spent that whole time tonight being like, mm. at the end of the day, do you know what I used to say? I'm not pregnant. I just have a condition that might lead to pregnancy. Mm. Like just, I mean, guarding everything. This is mm. just a clinical experience. Maybe it'll lead to baby. But other than that, I'm so detached. Nothing prepared me for that moment of hearing there was no heartbeat. I primal screamed on my bedroom floor. My husband held me as I literally bit on my hand, cried. It was so primal that I realized we can't outrun the connection we have with each pregnancy from day dot and even though I was quote unquote only six weeks Mm. I still felt that so intensely and I remember thinking oh my god you know a line I heard I think it was Brene Brown that you can't dress rehearse tragedy Mm -hmm. and so on my pregnancies after that and even I had another miscarriage after that I remember thinking I cannot control what is going to happen, but I have you today. 
And today I'm pregnant. And today, if you should ever leave me, if you should leave my body, if you should leave the earth, I want you within the bounds of my body to feel how loved you are. And that helped me cut off the negative thinking and trying to outrun the bad situations. I'd say like, I am going to baptize this baby within me with the love that I have to give them now because if they should leave me at eight weeks nine weeks ten weeks I want to know that their very existence from their moment of conception was within the mother that held them with the most love possible and that really helped me on my other pregnancies it felt like rather than something I was allowing myself to feel I was allowing myself to give and as mothers we love to give more (laughs) than we like to do anything and that really helped me so I'd say if anybody was in that stage of of feeling so much fear and afraid to love their baby in pregnancy it's you don't need to feel the love you don't need to get that from your baby but maybe you could work on giving it and I I found that that really helpful it's so helpful because it's it you start imagining this little person who just wants to be loved yeah and and it takes it away yeah and it takes it away from I'm supposed to evolve and yes. metamorphosis. You're not. You can still be you. Yeah. And you can and still love. And love, the feelings of love and the intensity of love is so transient. Like, even with your partners, I'm married and I, you know, I, if you ask me, do I love my husband? I love my husband. But there's certain times I look at him and I feel like I've been punched in the stomach. I love him so much. And other times I'm like, I love him. Like, I'd hate to die, but I don't, you know, like, you know, I take him or leave him whether I want to spend the day with him. That's normal. So I think sometimes the love of motherhood is expected because when it's intense, it is so overwhelming that when you're first experiencing it and you've heard that, you kind of expect it to feel like that all the time. And that there's probably something wrong if you don't feel that. Whereas there's definitely times where, you know, your little girl will look at you across the room and you could burst into tears or nearly vomit. And other times you're just making her a slice of toast and you love her, but it's not winding you, you know? So it's okay to accept the lulls and the highs. That is normal with any loving relationship, I think. How did you feel after your first son was born and you didn't feel that love? I totally prepared myself for it and that's why my biggest lesson you know the saying like um fail to prepare prepare to fail couldn't disagree more I prepared for everything and it made no difference you know I prepared to not feel it I'd heard you know I worked as a midwife before I'd spoken to people about that they might not feel it and all the logical thing I was devastated because I just didn't know him he just arrived and I didn't know him and I didn't know myself anymore and I didn't know how to verbalize it and I was so sad because I was so anxious I was so scared I was so fearful that what I wanted was the buffer of the love and and subsequently when I've had hard moments on my other pregnancies I've always said I'm so grateful to go through this loving my child because it's so hard anyway and when you don't have the gold that is that feeling of love it's so much more painful and one of the midwives took him off for me for a few hours and I remember I remember googling 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 like that like I said I worked as a midwife loads no low notes pe- no loads of people have had babies and um, I'm how long do you expect to bond with your child what does it feel like how do you know you've bonded when will the bond come and they were saying things, you know, like skin to skin and everything. I remember her bringing him back and being like terrified to undress him and put him on my skin. And it felt like a bed of nails of just what am I going to do? I have created this new life and I am more lost than I have ever been. And I remember even in the weeks afterwards saying to people, I don't feel like a mommy. I feel like I'm Emma and I have a Jack rather than I am a mother and I have a son. Mm. And they'd kind of go, oh, that's weird. But maybe that's maybe that's nice. Like you like him as a person and did it all this kind of thing. And I was really throwing out like anybody else mm. feeling the same here. I don't feel like a mother at all. And it was so difficult, Sinead, because those weeks are so hard on so many levels. But when you feel totally detached and terrified of this new little person and you don't have those bursts of, oh, 
look at their toes, look at their this, look at the, that. Because you're so wracked by fear and it's so hard to know it'll ever come. You're on a countdown. Like you're literally like, is today the day? Is today the day? If we do a walk together, if I put on my mate, is today the day? It's get easier. Today's the day I love them. You know, will I feel like a mother today? It's so, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. It's so, it's just so sad. It's so normal. But when you really don't fully believe the normality of it, it's so lonely and it's so sad. I'd say the performance anxiety of that alone would I, hold I it back. Really. I didn't really. I was I was saying it to pretty much anybody who would listen, but I didn't even know how to verbalize it properly. Hmm. Like I keep saying, I just feel very detached. I just don't feel right. Um, I was crying all the time. I was... You know, I was very, very open. You know, I was going to my doctor. I was going to my therapist that I'd worked with years previously. I was like, this isn't right. And, it, you know, people were reassuring me, you know, baby blues are normal and it takes time. But I knew, Sinead, that this was about to get very serious and it did. But you were doing everything that we say. You're saying, you know, you were talking to people. You said you mm-hmm. went to your GP. You already had a therapist. Yeah. Were they minimizing it or were no. they meeting you at where you were and saying um, my, yes you're feeling this and it's probably a sign of something else like it's probably um, a sign of illness this isn't necessarily how it should go yes so it's very very normal for a woman to meet her baby and not feel that that like rush of love as we describe mm. it it can be a slow getting to know process that is actually very normal mm-hmm. and I think it's you know, especially I like, after the trauma and exhaustion of birth. Oh, the pregnancy and the birth. And I do think, you know, it's your it's a lifelong relationship, motherhood, and it's forever evolving. And it's perfectly beautiful and normal to take those like tender steps in those first few days and early weeks. But this was so different than that. Like when my daughter was born, I didn't feel that rush of love, but it was like a, a lovely, excitable curiosity about her. It was, you know, it was still positive feelings it just wasn't that rush and, and it built much 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 more quicker a matter of days um so when I was I just knew in my bones that this was going downhill and my family were so supportive but you know definitely there were people that were trying to help by reassuring me but I knew I was like alarm bells alarm bells alarm bells alarm bells and when I went to the therapist that I worked with years ago, and I hadn't seen her in like eight years. Like I'd been so well and um, I'd had an eating disorder years ago. So that's how I had that link there. And I went to her and she honestly just saved my life. She was like, this is real. This is dangerous. This is serious. You know, to my husband, you need to take time off work. She is not okay to be on her own. It was only a week, but it was what I needed to know is that someone, when I was telling people we're in danger, this is not safe, we're in danger, this is not safe, that somebody was like, okay, they're not safe, things are not okay, and something needs to change. Whereas reassurance wasn't giving me a pathway out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was leaving me where I was and just telling me it was going to be okay, but I was sinking in the sand. Whereas when I met somebody that validated how I was feeling and said they were going to help me, I was thrown a rope. And from that day on, it was still so difficult for months, but it felt like I was working towards something rather than just drowning. Tell me, what did the help look like? Because I think this is really important because I myself and I'm always hearing it and I'm always even saying yeah. it. Go yeah. get help. You need help. Don't be afraid yeah. to ask for help. Accept yeah. that help. Receive the help. Give the help. Offer the help. <laughs> yes. Help, help, help. Like, but what did it actually on a practical day level yeah what did help actually look like okay I've actually never really shared this with anyone before because it's I suppose I've always been a little bit cautious that it's not a heavily medical route and um, it was very very holistic and I'm you know from a healthcare background I'm such a believer in medicine and science that I'm I'm always a bit cautious of women that are very very sick that they take a multidisciplinary look mm-hmm. at the help as we call it but I think um, we need to as say I that, did. that this is your experience and this exactly. is what helped you and, and and we cannot we cannot prescribe not for everyone all. every single person's experience is unique 
but what I will say is I sought help. I think it'll be interesting, you know, to touch on it after my second daughter, totally different experience, but was diagnosed with postnatal depression a few months later in a very, very different way, much, you know, less traumatic, very typical postnatal depression. And I healed that in a completely different way. Mm. So it, that's two different experiences within me and me alone. Mm. But in the depths of the dark moments after my first baby, and I mean, it was so painful to live Sinead it was just painful every day to keep trying to stay alive it was a fight every day I went to this therapist and she was like okay what I found really hard um and I won't go into the detail of it because it is they're very upsetting thoughts Mm. but were these really dark thoughts and compulsions and then the fear is that if I had a scary thought, then I must be a scary person to do a scary thing. And that means I am not safe. And then people aren't safe with me. And then I should harm myself. And this is what I'll do. And I was living in a fucking balcony apartment, the whole bang. So she really worked. And what, what worked with me as a practical person, she really worked on helping me understand how my mind worked. Mm-hmm. And that basically I was so afraid of something happening to my baby and when I exhausted the fact that he didn't have meningitis he didn't have a brain tumor he probably didn't have leukemia at two weeks old you know whatever well then the surely the last danger in the whole world you would ever expect would be your own mother so I must be the danger you know I am the scary person I am the dangerous person and so she worked on teaching me how my brain is an active part of my body that is separate to the person whom I am. So just like our heart beats blood, our brain thinks thoughts, Mm -hmm. and it is no reflection on me as a person. So while I might have a scary thought, that is just my brain doing its thing, trying to find avenues, trying to make sense of things. It is no reflection on reality. It is no reflection on me as a person and no reflection on what's gonna happen in the future. So it helped me, she said, I'm not my body and I'm not even my mind. I'm not my body, I'm not even my mind. I'm not my body, I'm not even my mind. And so I would work every day. My husband would get up before he went to work, even if the baby wasn't awake. And I would go in and I would do like a stillness meditation and it wasn't about, I couldn't cope with the, and now you were on a beach and now mm. ah, couldn't cope. I mm. didn't need more noise. What I do is I play music and I breathe in and hold my breath. And the aim of the game was when I was holding my breath, I would try to hold my thoughts just for a split second. Breathe in, silence the mind, split second, it would go again. But what I realized from doing that was like I can hold my breath, I can hold off some thoughts sometimes, which helped me realize that they're not me. I am the observer of them. I am not tangled up in them. So going to these sessions, talking through, I mean a safe space to talk through every scary, horrific thought with no judgment and no reflection of fear back to me. You know, I try to have conversations sometimes with people, other people, and kind of touch on a few of the elements. And I was met, understandably, with sort of panic on their end of like, well, what should we do? What did it, you know, when what I needed and what I got from this, this person was, that is so awful that you have to endure those thoughts, but you are such a safe and loving person. And I remember one night specifically having my baby in the bath and having this flashing images, intrusive thoughts. You can picture the scene of what I was picturing. Mm-hmm. What, what, I, what if I did this X, Y, and Z? And she said to me, the perfect example is, you thought those thoughts, but tell me what you did. And I was like, well, I got a fright, so I got him out of the bath. And did you leave him cold? No, I wrapped him in a towel. Mm -hmm. And was he crying? Yeah, so what did you do? And I gave him a bottle. So she was like, the mother in you is separate from the thoughts in your brain. Mm -hmm. Like you're the mother who took your baby out of a bath, wrapped them in a warm towel, held them close and they were crying, gave them a bottle, even though you were wailing, crying, terrified, calling anybody who'd answer to come and get you she said like that instinct is still there you are not a dangerous person and all of that untangling the thoughts and separating myself from them is what broke the back of it eventually this podcast is just one way that every mom can support you 
Another amazing way is with our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash. To receive yours, just register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. You say break the back, okay? And I know that you have, you know, a three-year-old, a two-year-old and a newborn. Mm. So the quick succession of the evolution of your story of of having Mm. more children is so close when you say break the back do you mean fully healed do you and I don't mean instantly but no when or where along the path or or does it ever does it ever arrive where you can say to yourself that is behind me yeah I think I was really surprised by that, to be honest, mm. because it was so bad and so dark and so utterly terrifying. I thought I'd forever be battling it. I thought it was like an eating disorder, like I'm years technically free of an eating disorder. But over the years, I've been forever having a bad weekend with it. Sure. You know, like I'm generally well, generally fine, but it's always something every day. Mm. I've just sort of negotiate around and that's OK. So I expected it to be the same and it really hasn't been. And I found that so amazing. And I, I would just, I would love everybody to know who's in a really dark space. You won't just have the opportunity to survive this. Like you can be fine. You can be better, like fully fine, not fighting, getting up every day, potting around, getting your kids food, changing buns, putting on a bit of makeup, doing a wash, having it. Like my brain is a totally safe place to be these days, like totally safe place to be. So it took about five months. I remember the first time Jack rolled over. I can picture it the scene exactly. And I kind of squealed with joy for the first time. And I realized that my brain went to joy rather than, oh my God, what if I never see him do that again? What if he doesn't meet his milestone? What did I like? And I realized, oh my God, my brain is getting healthier because I was able to see something joyful and not bring it to a place of horror. And over time, then it got better and better and better. There was a couple of little episodes where I'd have like a bad weekend or whatever, very rare, but 99% of the time I would say it's, it's just gone like it visited and it left because it's an illness yes there you go there you go yes 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 it is not who you are as a mother yeah it is an illness that was healed yes just like when the antibiotics clear up the tonsillitis you don't have a sore throat anymore you move on with your life yeah yeah and I got better And exactly why then when I became unwell after having my daughter, it didn't present the same Mm. because it was a different illness. Just because it was appendicitis. (laughs) Yeah, I had appendicitis that time. Mm. But like it presented so different and I managed it so differently. Yeah. How did it show up? What did it show up as? Second time. Were you... How did you approach the birth were you feeling this is going to repeat itself this is going to happen again yeah I'm going to feel this way or that way and I'm ready for it I felt my postnatal experience on the first time around was so dark that in order to have another baby I needed to be willing to go through it again I needed to have everything ready I could to support me through it but that I couldn't mentally go in wishing and praying to not experience it again I had to, and that was the first start of surrendering, I suppose, mm-hmm. second time round is, was literally saying, okay, if it happens, it happens, I will be okay again. Um, so I was had extra therapy sessions. I was linked in with my GP. Um, I arranged, you know, family to help with my son. Like I literally tried to do, we, we moved, actually, God, I forgot the big thing. We moved house to be nearer family so I could have support because I was, very isolated from my family where I was living before like we literally moved mountains to try make it a better experience 
And it really was. It really was. So I didn't get that rush of love, but it was all by the by the next day. I was just adoring her, looking at her, loving her. It built more and more over time. And and I never felt I never felt afraid with her. I never you know, when she got her first runny nose, I thought, God, love her, the poor pet, she has a runny nose, not, oh my God, it's going to turn into money, she's going to die. Mm. You know, I just felt safe with her from day dot. And so as a result, I presumed mentally I was well, because I wasn't trying to jump off a balcony. I am mentally well. It was only, we hit the pandemic, we were coming out of the first lockdown, you know, I realized I was having a conversation with my friend and whatever we were talking about. And I was saying, oh, no, God, no, I don't feel since I became a mom, I don't feel excited anymore. I said, no, I don't feel down. But like if you told me you won the lotto, I'd say that's lovely. That's lovely for you. That's, that's lovely for you. Or we're, we're going on all expense paid trip today. That's lovely. Mm. Or I'd look at my kids doing something nice and think that's nice. Mm. But like a detachment from life. Mm. And I realized I never was motivated to get dressed, to go out, to go to see a movie, to go out with a friend. Like I just had no motivation or engagement in life. I was just numb, detached and numb. And I went to my doctor and I tried. I tried the meditation. I tried and um, I tried what's it called reflexology. I tried all the holistic things did not work one bit this time and I remember going to my doctor and saying I have tried to walk eat my greens drink my water cut out alcohol I cannot meditate my way out of this one this time and mm. um, and he was like Emma look you've had mental health issues for years this is the time now we're going to give medication a try but which is so ironic and anybody with anxiety will probably say the same you're too anxious to start the medication because you're anxious of what the medication is going to do but I did start it and oh my god it was the most beautiful gift I ever gave to myself honest to god I remember going back to the doctor and saying oh I don't just get through the day with my kids now I enjoy my kids like I play with them and what's and the I name of this medication <laughs> yeah I know but like honestly it just mm. clicked me back in and what I loved was I still was I was still crying. I was still narky. I was still, I was still all those things, but I was open. My, my body and mind felt open. And my therapist said to me, and I thought it was very interesting. She said, you feel this way because the last time you had a baby, everything you felt was so scary. Mm. So this time it's like your body and mind are afraid to go there again. So you've gone numb. Because numb is safe. You've pulled not right back. Yeah. But if but you pull right back from fear and and all of the bad things, you also yeah. pull back from accessing any of the happiness, yes. any of the joy, any of the excitement, any of that. Yeah. Like the you shadow can't... and the light, you exactly. know, they play off each other. I felt from that experience, I remember just saying, okay, like I am now going to like, I know it sounds cheesy, but I'm just going to radically accept whatever life brings me because everything difficult that has happened to me has been the bearer of fruit in another way every single thing and when you're in it it doesn't make it any more horrible mm -hmm. and even on my third pregnancy I had such a difficult pregnancy but mentally I was able to keep myself on top of it because I knew that that wasn't the full story, that there was something else going to come from that. I really knew that. And unless I think you've been through something very challenging and difficult and come out the other end, it can sound a bit, everything happens for a reason, mm. which is so unhelpful and minimizing. But I think where there is pain, there is growth always. I, I keep a two column list just mm. like in the back of I say a journal I don't journal a notebook or whatever yeah. yeah um I would love to be a person that journaled but I know I was trying think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know only so many only so many hours um yeah. and I suppose actually probably writing posts on Instagram is a form of yes. journaling yeah um but I keep a I keep a notebook that's 
has a list on the inside of of the back cover and I don't even know why I started it um and I'm not really sure I, sh- I should go back and reread the first thing on it because I'm sure that's what prompted me to start mm. it but it's a uh, do you remember that bad thing happened and then well that would never have happened if that hadn't happened mm. list and it goes way back you know I, I, I've forced myself to kind of go back 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 and back and be like no, think about it. Think about it. Write down all the really hard moments. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Moments, diversions, surprises, mm. shocks, um, changes. Unic- you know, and, and it's this unexpected um, consequence piece. Yeah. Yeah. And did the thing on the positive column, was that part of the plan? No, not not. Yeah. Usually. Was it the thing that I was going after or I thought would make me happy? No, probably not. Mm. But has it positively sent me in a new direction or thought me something or showed me something or delivered me something that mm. I now couldn't live without? Yes. Yeah. It has. So now when I'm, I find myself where you were at, I... I add it. I add. I add in the challenge. I don't. Mm. I have loads of blank ones. Like I've loads of. I haven't figured out. <laughs> the, the happy ending hasn't come yet. The happy ending piece. yet. Yeah. But it does two things for me. One, it reminds me of the things at the time I thought would end me. Yes. That actually brought me a gift. And, it allows me to write down what I'm feeling right now and leave it open yes open to whatever to gonna, yeah, yeah. whatever is going to happen yeah by simply adding it to the list with an empty column beside it it's like yeah. I'll fill you in someday I don't yes. know what you're going to be there will be something to go there I trust that there will I don't know what yeah. that's going to be but I'm going to put you there because you're going to give me something out of this yeah yeah it's really like I'm not, look I'm not I'm not going to be any sort of psychological guru anytime mm-hmm. in this life, but it has helped me yeah. massively. I feel like I haven't, I'm not a list maker. I am mm. so bad at stuff like that. Um, but I feel like when you reflect on that list and you get that comfort, I feel like you're training your brain, you know, so that when, a, you know, an obstacle comes up, you're already open to receiving what else could come and it's not about minimizing the difficulty of a situation for me it's happened you know so many times through different things like everybody in their lives that it's actually left me with more of a trust in the world and in life and I'm at a place of acceptance and when I say trust I don't mean trust that everything will be great Mm but trust that it will be as it's meant to be when it's meant to be. And it, and sometimes that is really, really difficult. Mm. But through the experiences, I've built up that trust. Like when you do your list, you're building a pattern of acceptance that with one comes the other. The other thing that hit me when you were talking about how you were feeling after the birth of your daughter and that suppression of feeling and that kind of detachment Mm. um not a sadness you know you yes you, you weren't saying I don't feel no. depressed I don't feel no. like I need I, I should title it postnatal mm-hmm. depression because I'm not feeling these things but also the timeline of this event <laughs> yeah I know what you're feeling that lack of life that lack of motivation, that lack of excitement, that lack of wanting to get dressed and go out into the world. Mm. Why would you have? It was yeah. the depths of 2020. So I was listening to you, knowing that you, you know, you went to a doctor, you got medicated, it solved the illness. Therefore, mm. the illness existed because the medication worked. Worked, yeah. You know, I like I know the I know the the ending. But yet I'm listening to that. And if I had been a friend of yours at the time, listening to you saying you feel those things, I'd be like, yeah, and the other 8 billion 
members yeah. of the world of right the world. Yeah. Like, and, and listening to that, I'm like, oh my God, was I depressed? Because I felt all of those things. But I think, you know, it was for me. I, I really I'm sorry, I need to correct someone's... that. I need to say, am I depressed? Because I still Are you feel, depressed? You I still, still feel all of those okay. things. Okay, yeah. well, this is interesting because I left it for months and months and months because pandemic, 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 everyone's mm. the same, blah, blah. And it was when, do you remember, God love us, that first summer, we were like, I think this is over now. <laughs> remember there was six cases. Like, oh my God. And you'd I be like, six cases. Out. Yeah. Six oh, cases. It's all in the meat factory. Six cases. Yeah, it's all in the meat factory. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. But I remember then, you know, um, I don't have like a big group of friends. I've mm. got about five separate really close friends but I don't have like that group of girls that's always out or whatever so I had different friends and will we meet and do this will we go to a hotel will we go whatever and I literally said I was like I can't brush my teeth lads like I can't brush my teeth brushing my teeth is so hard and so it's too much Mm. it's literally too much and when I was like when the opportunity to rejoin the world as we thought then arose and I couldn't have been arsed and not in that way like oh but I'm kind of used to my bubble and I like our movie nights not in that way like literally if I could stay in bed all day and not put my feet to the floor oh that's what I do a hundred percent that's what I do and that's when I kind of thought okay the pandemic like I said as we thought was over and I was not moving on and my mood was just low low energy low mood no motivation no no not even not seeing the bright side but not giving a shit if there was a bright side Mm. like literally just and I and I felt like all the things you would ordinarily do to help that walking uh, self-care and doing journaling like trying to do journaling doing bits of exercise doing whatever it just wasn't helping me like I wasn't feeling better at all if anything it just kept slipping and feeling more gray that I I said look I'll give this a shot and I'm so glad I did because you don't always have to be chronically unhappy or terribly unwell to feel better it's a chemical imbalance yeah the medication rebalances the chemicals in your brain mm-hmm. that re-stimulates all the stuff that you should be yeah. feeling on a daily basis that we've lost access to. Yeah. But I I would be really convinced that there is a whole generation of women right now feeling like that. Absolutely. And are probably blaming circumstance mm-hmm. and not self-identifying that actually, yes, circumstance, no doubt, amplified the issue. You know, circumstance is like, well, yes, you you picked up the bronchitis, but then also somebody put you out in the snow for, yeah, yeah. for two years <laughs> yeah, yeah, without food or water. You know, so don't give yourself a hard time for needing a rest because you're sick now. Yeah, yeah. You know, things did not exactly make it easy. Uh, But I would say there's a lot of people who probably have entered illness, but have said it's just, well, this is the boat we're in. Whereas I always feel like, you know, some people would message me about mental their mental health. And I always feel like you don't need to have mental illness Mm. to start working on your mental health. Like you don't like your physical health. You don't need a serious diagnosis to drink more water and eat a vegetable. You know, I just, I always just feel if something doesn't feel great, can I feel better? We don't need to overthink it more than that. Like, do you not feel great? Is there any way you could feel better? Find it. You are worth trying all the shit that doesn't work to find the one thing that works because you can probably be happier. And you deserve to be happier. It's not a given that we have to struggle. It just isn't. And don't like mom guilt. I don't even believe in mom guilt. I, I feel like we're invalidating our emotions all the time. I feel we're feeling pain and sadness and calling it guilt. Mm. 
that, you know, when you go to work and you feel guilty, no, maybe you're just sad that you miss your children. Guilt is like attributing a sense of blame. I feel as women, we're just accepting less for ourselves in terms of our happiness because we're we're coming around to the idea that we'll get the nails done and we might get a haircut or we might get the or we might do a drink with the girls or we might do whatever. You are so important. You are so beautiful, so valuable. You are a grown little baby, you know, that deserves all of the care, all of the love, all of the wellness going. And it's worth, it's worth fighting for because the mundane, which my life is so mundane, is just different when you get to see it through lighter eyes and you get to feel and you feel, you still feel the hurt, you still feel the pain, you still feel the low moments, you still cut, bleed when you're cut. But life can be happier and I just don't feel it can happen, I feel, but that's just my experience, without work. Like I advocate for myself and my well-being within my family so much. Like I will regularly, regularly say to my husband, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I'm going to get narky with the kids. I really know you're tired. You were working all week, but I need to be gone for a few hours or I need to go to bed for a few hours. I need this. I need this. This is what I need. Da, da, da. And I'm always open to hearing what he needs. But the reality is he doesn't really need as much of that stuff as I do. Like he's like, oh, I'm happy to have a beer at the evening and watch a game. And say, you know, our, our needs are different. And all I can do is advocate for mine and be open to his whenever he does need something. But I, I, I fight for that because I've been so unwell that if I see a piece of the puzzle that is going to make me happier, oh, I'm going to get it. What do you have in your life today that you wouldn't have if you'd stayed unwell? My life, first of all. Honestly, it was so hard to stay alive. It was so hard to stay alive. And I used to have awful, you know, images of, you know, if I if I took my life and then how long would the baby be on his own before the, my, his dad came home? Such empathy and very, very little judgment of people because I, I've been through so many experiences that you would have been shamed for or judged for or whatever. And I know through all of it, I've been valuable and good and worthy, even in the worst case scenarios when something happens between a mother and their children of mothers who are unwell. I have no time for people saying, oh my God, how can anyone do that? What an animal. You can't take people's humanity away from them. We need to understand people. We need to have compassion. We need to punish when people do things wrong, all of that. But I feel like I look at people with so much more compassion and understanding because my thoughts and my being would not have been met with a lot of compassion from a lot of people if I'd been fully open about it at the time. And I know I deserved it. And Tommy? Yeah, my little Tom Tom. Nearly six weeks, six weeks on Thursday. But yeah, had you not so come out even maybe of the postnatal depression mm. after your girl, maybe, you know. It wouldn't have been, yeah. You might have, you know, if you're saying, I want to stay in bed all day and yeah. not let my feet hit the floor and there's nothing to look forward to and mm. stay as I am, maybe the impulse to grow your family, to go again, to go back to the beginning to find the to find the energy to go through what you're very open about are challenging pregnancies mm. you know we've really focused tonight on the postpartum aspect of it but you know yeah there's a whole there's a whole chapter a whole other story. physical challenge yeah when yeah. it comes to your pregnancies you know so for you to make that decision that that's a decision of a, like honestly even at my quote unquote healthiest I mm. would be also saying no we're good we're good yeah. it's not in me yeah I don't have I don't have the steam yeah and yet 
you found it. <laughs> I did. I think, you know, having gone through a lot of like that, you know, a miscarriage, a, a difficult pregnancy, mm. a very challenging postnatal period, another very difficult pregnancy, pandemic, postnatal depression, another miscarriage. What I learned from that mm. is that everything becomes a memory. And what I've been left with is like the gold. So everything was difficult, but it left, it passed. It, nothing stayed forever except the gold, which was my two delicious children, you know? So when I was thinking about going again, I knew I wanted to have a third child. I pictured our family. I knew I would forever feel unfinished grateful for what I had but that the vision I have for my family will be incomplete so I went into my pregnancy expecting a difficult pregnancy that was far worse than I expected this time but I expected challenges I expected to be unwell postnatally but I knew when all that dust settled I'd be left with my baby and so that is what what helped me jump into the sea head first and how are you this time? So good. So happy. So balanced. So, so myself, you know. I remember when I was thinking about starting medication, I was afraid of not being myself. And I realized the self I had become was so gray and low and everything. Where now, like this evening, I was dancing around the kitchen. Now, not just to be clear now, the kids were on the tablet for now before this, not giving any false <laughs> advertising about what kind of mother I am. But we were having a good dance and a laugh and shaking our bums and we were cackling. And I realized I was lost in that moment there. Yeah. I wasn't performing what I thought a fun mother should perform like or, you know, making myself make memories. I literally was just having a bit of crack. Now, like I said to you before we, we, we started recording, I was equally crying this afternoon because I was exacerbated at my three-year-old's behavior at the moment, you know, but I just accept it all. I accept all the challenges, their tears, my tears. I accept the moments that I want to run out the door. I sometimes do run out the door and I equally accept all the unbelievable diamonds in the day of which there are many of those two. Surrender surrender is the word honestly yeah I always think that motherhood stretches us it stretches mm. our our boobs yes <laughs> our bellies our pelvic floor mm. it stretches our heart our mind our head our skin mm. our finances our capacity our love our patience our patience well stretched oh, yeah well stretched yeah but if we don't learn or medicate or therapy or write or if we don't learn how we need to like go navigate the stretch yeah we snap yeah we snap yeah. It, it, it'll keep this is the thing it, it'll keep pulling mm -hmm. like it, it it's like this never-ending elastic <laughs> yeah it'll, it'll find a new avenue yeah it'll keep pulling yeah. it, is, it is it is a pastry that knows no end it'll mm. keep 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 pulling and we either have a choice to snap or to get so bendy <laughs> yes yes do you remember that show from years ago i think it was called something like alex mack or something like that and she turned into a puddle that was her she turned into a puddle puddle so she was able to like say someone was stressing her out she'd turn into a puddle and slip under the door and sometimes that's a visualization I get I'm like just let yourself go as a person and just turn into a puddle and just be this <laughs> sort of like puddly robot functioning just get through it just go with the flow um yeah you just have to literally to let go of everything you thought you knew about yourself as you knew it and as you need to be today and every day because our children are forever changing mm. especially at this young age you're going to be met with a different child tomorrow than you put to bed last night so the little trick that worked to negate that tantrum gone 
out the window. Whereas I remember on my first being like, got the naps down, figured out that if I (laughs) put the white noise on, he will sleep. No, two weeks later, doesn't sleep anymore. You know, and just admitting that we are in control of nothing. But ourselves. And being being okay with that. Mm. Just being willing to bend and flex and go with the flow. Do you think in your adult life you were at your happiest? Oh, oh, by a mile. Yeah, I'm the happiest I think I've ever been. More importantly, do you think you were at your most mentally well? I think so. Do you know why as well? Because when I have moments or a bad day, and thankfully there's so few and far between, I touch wood so far have known exactly what to do I I called my husband down one of the nights there I was just anxious I just had a feeling in my bones a racing heart teary finding hard to even get up and get a nappy for him because I just felt like I couldn't move two o'clock in the morning obviously I'm the one that normally does the nice eats because I'm uh, popping him on the boob and stuff I just phoned him and asked him to come down and sit with me and watch a television show with me while I fed, why did would he do the nappy? Because for some reason I just had this mental block of getting up and getting that done. Um, and he did, and we had a laugh, and we watched a TV show, and I sent him back to bed, mm. and the moment passed. Which obviously is not, I'm not trying to oversimplify if that was at a stage of mental illness. What I'm saying is, is sometimes things come up for us that feel like a bit of a struggle. And just because they're temporary doesn't mean you have to go through them alone just because it's not severe or debilitating or long running or whatever I really believe if there's anything that can be improved that you want to improve and you have the means to give it a shot it has not been an easy road it has not had Mm. much and and this road like I again I need to stress you have a three-year-old a two-year-old and a newborn okay so everything Mm. that we've talked tonight has come in rapid succession Mm. with everything that also has been going on at a macro level around you in the world yeah I'm proud I'm so deeply proud of where you're at right now Mm. because for someone who hadn't even experienced the physical the hyperemesis the the challenges with depression the challenges with the thoughts the challenges challenge 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 even if you hadn't arrived at those, simply having those three babies in this, you know, in this era of motherhood is simply enough to send you on a course yeah. to make you one well. Yeah. I'm deeply, deeply proud of how you advocated for yourself, acknowledged a problem mm. within yourself, sought help, never stopped asking for it, talking about mm. it championing the fact that it had happened telling us about it publicly sharing your doodles sharing your words saying this is what's going on and helping alleviate it not just for you and I mean it but Mm. for anyone who engages meaningfully in the content and the posts and the doodles and the words that you put out into the world because it is an immense comfort to the people that may not have the support that you just described in their own home, in their own worlds, with their friends, with their family, Mm. with with the people around them. Immense comfort. I wish you hadn't had to go through everything that we've talked about. Going back to the list. (laughs) Yes, yes. Unintended consequences, you've helped so many. Yeah, I, I hope so. As I've always, you know, I've said my Instagram page is selfish. You know, people think it's, you know, something that I, I give and give. But I always kind of, you know, kind of joke, well, it's actually quite selfish. It's really just about me. It's really about whatever. But I think if you feel safe to do so and well enough to do so, that sharing is one of the greatest gifts we can all give to other women. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's, I remember at one stage saying I met um another mommy in a bookshop in Black Rock where I was living at the time she said oh my god Emma how are you and I for the first time said I'm I'm awful mm. like I'm awful I am finding this so hard mm. 
And it was so awkward. And she sort of, oh God, I hope it's better. And legged it. Fair enough. But I remember just being like, I'm fucking sick of pretending that this is grand when it's so bad. And I really, I, I always think about that moment and think one day I hope to ask someone how they are and they tell me really. I hope that at the brand bread and super value or whatever it is that they just are at a stage in the world, in the world where I say, how are you doing? And if she's having a shocking day, she tells me and I go, Oh, I had so many tough days too. And let's have a chat about it. Let's, do you want to have a vent or do you just want to have a little cry here in the middle of the bookshop? Like, you know, and I think about that and how the world isn't ready for that face-to-face honesty in amongst mothers and that the only way like anything we can become ready is by starting and so I'm I'm more than happy to start it because everybody there makes me feel so safe to do so thank you for telling me how you were feeling tonight when I asked and being so honest and starting Mm -hmm. the conversation Um, and I hope we all take a leaf out of that book in that bookshop and Mm. say I'm not okay. Yeah. That's how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Say it. Say it to somebody that you might pass today or tomorrow or pick up your phone. If you're listening to this podcast on it and if you're feeling that, text it to someone. Yeah. Just make a little step. Emma, thank you so much. So much. And Tommy. Tommy, Tommy, <laughs> Tommy with the little bum on the screen. Thank oh, you so baby. much. He's doing big stretches, very oh, big, big stretch. Stretches. Can you see a baby do a big stretch without saying, "Oh, big stretch, oh, big stretch, <laughs> oh, yeah. big stretch"? Or good boy, every time he does a burp, like that's a brilliant burp. Oh, Emma, Tommy, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for listening, and to Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes, for their support. Proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, water wipes are made with just two ingredients and are 100% biodegradable, plastic-free and compostable wipes. So you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's guest, This Mama Doodles, on Instagram. (laughs) 